Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Adventure Audio Podcast. In this episode, Tyler and I have an awesome chat with Amity Rockwell. Amity is a American gravel racer, professional cyclist, and she's the winner of the 2019 DK200 gravel race in Kansas, which is like the Super Bowl of gravel racing. So Amity's a rock star. She was really, really gracious with her time. We just had an awesome conversation with her. We got caught up with her from her home in California and we just have a great chat about her origins and how she ended up finding the bike and becoming a gravel racer, transitioning from a a lifetime of running uh, in her younger days. So loved the conversation. We hope that you guys too. She's really, really cool and we'd love to have her back on sometime soon. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Algae Foods and their Impact Bar. So Algae Foods is based in Canmore, Alberta, Canada, and they have a product called the Impact Bar. It's a 55 gram bar that is totally nutrient packed and they're made with algae. So they're totally plant-based, vegan friendly. They've got 12 grams of protein and 22% of your daily value of iron. They can be found at algaefoods.com. That's spelled A-L-G-I foods.com. The company's offering an Impact Bar taster so you can try it before you buy it. Not everybody's sure about the taste of algae, but I've been using these bars on longer rides and runs and they're absolutely awesome. They taste really good and nutritionally are exactly what you need when you're doing that kind of thing. Right now, they are offering a discount of 10% for Adventure Audio listeners. So if you go to algaefoods.com, that's A-L-G-I foods.com forward slash Adventure Audio, you'll get 10% off your next order. The podcast is also brought to you this week by Ridge Supply. Ridge Supply socks are built for your ride or run to be the bright and keep your feet focused on the adventure of the day. They're made in North Carolina, they're ship free anywhere in the United States, and Ridge Supply socks are the perfect way to accent your kit and provide you the right amount of high visibility to your feet in motion. Risen from the roadside to shake the dust and give you watts for the soul. Visit ridgesupply.com to order your next pair of Skyline socks. On to Amity Rockwell. Last thing is thank you everybody for listening as always. If you're able to support the podcast in any way with respect to sharing things on social media, positive reviews on whatever podcast platform that you find the show on, we really, really appreciate that. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back soon. Hey, well, awesome to have you on our little podcast. Thanks for taking the time. Of course, yeah. What's been... You know, it's a crazy time right now. What are we, August 24th? I can't believe it's August 24th. I, I, I don't ask me. It's <laughs> almost September. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, I'm honestly kind of ready for the months to just, you know, keep going by. But <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How's, busy. What, what does your year look like uh, in, you know, it's, nobody gets to race this year. So what have you been, what have you been doing yeah. to stay busy and motivated? Okay. It's especially bizarre for me because, like, this was the first year that, well, I mean, thanks to the DK200 win, um, <laughs> this is the first year where it was, like, okay, cool, like, I can do nothing else. And so I just, like, wiped everything else. Like, I used to be, like, you know, a part-time barista. I used to, you know, have all these side things that I would do. And I just yeah. kept that going because I was, like, I mean, it's, it's gravel racing. It's, you know, how big can it get? <laughs> um, right. Surprise. You know, what do I know? you know, I go win the biggest race, it all blows up. And I was like, Oh, dang, like, I actually have a chance to do this and only this and like, really focus, really dial it in, like, you know, just see whatever can happen. And I was like, you know, why not go for it? Like, (laughs) so I did that. And then, you know, immediately, immediately, you know, first season, it was it was all shut down again. So I am, you know, more at loose ends than I've than I've ever been. (laughs) Because like, you know, it's really strange because like before I was, you know, working probably almost 40 hours a week and then still, you know, traveling every weekend and training full time too. And like, that's literally all I did. And it was like, I didn't have to have any other (laughs) interests or hobbies or anything. It was like, this is everything I do. Um, You know, and then I'll like, you know, maybe talk to a friend like once a week when I have time. Um, And I was fine with that. You know, I think us as like, you know, endurance athletes, bike riders, whatever, like, you know, we're naturally kind of like reclusive people a lot of the time. So I was cool with that. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, you know, rug got pulled out from under me. So it's been a, a weird few months of just figuring out what I actually like to do besides those things. Um, <laughs> can't say I've like figured it out completely yet. Um, but it is, it's certainly funny when people ask me like for podcasts and all this stuff, because I'm like, <laughs> I have a very 
boring life right now you yeah, know all like, things sure, considered sure. I'm like <laughs> I don't know most days I wake up and you know figure out what I'm doing but um yeah it's definitely you know at a point where everybody has kind of come to terms with the fact that nobody is racing this year um at least in the U.S. unfortunately um <laughs> I won't speak too much on that but um uh yeah, so sponsors and stuff are, you know, sitting down and talking to us about, you know, what we can still do, what's not going to make people angry, what's, you know, intelligent, what's going to actually, you know, create some value for them. So, um, yeah, looking at a few things, um, nothing set in stone, but definitely probably going to go after some FKTs, um, which I guess cool. for people who don't know, it's the fastest known time. Um, so, yeah, looking at a few of those routes. Um Trying to like, you know, give are you able to share any of those with us? Like, are you doing multi days or single days or? Gosh, um, the main one I'm looking at right now is um, White Rim. I suppose okay. I may as well come out and say it. <laughs> but um, basically, Payson did it I think last year, and was the first person to kind of be like, "Hey, this matters. Like, here's the standard. Like, you know, this is a cool thing that we all should be doing." And that was even like, you know pre-pandemic he was just like I think this is a cool thing for people to chase let me kind of like get this started and then immediately there were like you know two or three guys that went and like took it from him and it kind of created this kind of I mean similar to the like Everesting phenomenon that's been happening where it's like you know this ever escalating you know thing of people like you know pushing to a higher limit and like you know records all that stuff me I have zero interest in Everesting ever really um (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. Uh, we can talk about that later. But um uh yeah, it was it was just kind of interesting for me because um Payson did that and immediately the time got kind of pushed to like this like very hard time. Um but no women did it. Um and I think you know the conversation like wasn't really about that. And I just kind of got curious um a few months ago. I think a friend of mine was out there or whatever and he mentioned to me he's like the woman's Strava time, he's like, it's really slow. <laughs> he's like, it's like eight and a half hours or something. And like the men's is like three hours less than that. Or, like, which is a crazy gap for like a hundred mile ride, you know, like that shouldn't really be that different. Like realistically speaking. Um, it's like, it's such, different like, at all. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Um, Cause like DK 200, I came in 25th overall. So it's like, that's I wasn't even like, that far behind you know and that's that's like typical that wasn't like an anomaly it's not like I like did exceptional like I think last year Katie came in or two years ago Katie came in like 24th like that's pretty standard you know we're we're up there um <laughs> which and the is, time difference is probably what like half an hour I, like I it's, not, it's not it's not it's not that big it's yeah. not like you know unsurmountable um and I mean that's that's why I love you know endurance sports so much is because it is kind of like this great equalizer I feel like, um, but anyways, I was like, that's really stupid. Like, why aren't women, you know, chasing this as hard? Like, it's so obvious, like, you know, all this stuff. So I kind of want to just go out there and set a fast enough time that like, you know, whoever feels like they want to go chase it kind of has that like motivation and that like point to work from. Um, yeah, it just feels kind of (laughs) necessary. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I've actually, disclaimer, I've I've like never ridden out there before ever. So who knows what I'm taking on really, but I've been talking to a lot of people and apparently it's great. So (laughs) maybe you uh, tackle the Colorado trail. Yeah, that would be really fun too. I kind of heard it was getting a little like fresh. I, I heard it was getting a little impacted like in pandemic times. And they were kind of encouraging people not to go ride it. So uh, I might uh, wait till that one comes down. But um, yeah. yeah. And then I think Lachlan just did um, Cocopelli. Like, oh, that's what I meant. That's what I Cocopelli. Yeah. That's that would be super fun too. I've actually, one thing that's like happened during quarantine is I've gotten way more into mountain biking. So <laughs> that's awesome. So I might might be able to go do more of, more of those instead because, yeah, it's a little more interesting to me. So do you yeah, think that, like, that'll lead to some mountain bike racing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually already the plan for this season was to kind of break up these like big like gravel goals with mountain bike races that were kind of just like for me and not like, you know, to necessarily be like 
you know, trying for a win or anything, but yeah, I had a few of the like epic rides on my, um, on my schedule. And then my, actually my like number two priority race after, um, dirty after a DK was, um, supposed to be Leadville. So, oh, which yeah. a lot of people joke about as being like the first gravel race, um, kind of, <laughs> on account is, yeah. of it being like largely fire road and not super technical. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a big goal for me too. So. Well, it's going to be there next year, and it's going to come back. It's I know. Come I'm roaring I'm back. And honestly, well. probably better for my ego that I had this whole year to like actually be on a mountain bike and you know figure that all out and you know get over some fears there. So, yeah. Yeah. So, how do you get started in this uh, crazy sport of gravel racing, <laughs> which I love? Um, I oftentimes like call it an accident. Um. <laughs> And I, and I largely, I largely do feel that way. Um, I, my parents are both ultra runners. Um, they, they met in an ultra running club in Los Angeles in like the early eighties or something. Um, when it was like super and, fringe, like it's oh, fringe now, but back then it was fringe. like, there was one magazine called ultra running magazine. And that was like the magazine and you just subscribe to it. And you know, I would come in every month and it would have like upcoming race dates and then would have like race results from like the past month just like all printed out. My mom still has like this amazing stack of them. And like, there's so many race results. It's like literally eight people who competed, but they're like in there with their like names and times or whatever. And yeah, there were a few like small ones like in the Bay Area and stuff or like LA County that she just like won outright. Cause there was like, I don't know, it was just like a brand new sport. Like there were barely any women or men for that matter doing it. And like, she was just out there. Um, she didn't actually start running until she was like, 29 or 30 um but yeah kind of you know things things escalated quickly for her I guess um we're very similar people but um yeah so so they did all that ran western states a few times like the whole deal um but she she still runs twice a day she runs so much she exercises more than me but um she quit racing kind of when she had kids um I have an older sister and a little sister so um yeah, she quit competing then. But like growing up, you know, you can imagine it was like, <laughs> it was a running family. It was like, all right, like if you're bored, you know, here's what you do. If you like, you know, need to get anything out, if you have any like angst, it's like go running. If you like, you know, whatever. It's like the solution to everything was like go running. Um, and so yeah, high school, um, a couple years of college, it was all for me, just cross country, track and field. Um, that sort of stuff. And I loved it. Like it was fully like I was in, um, and it was a great time, but I was honestly like never that good. Um, I, I trained a lot and I worked really hard and I loved doing it, but like, I was always kind of like, you know, just slightly better than average on account of working hard, but you know, it was never going to be, you know, anything amazing or, you know, take it to a professional level. Um, but I was still into it. And then, after those two years doing cross country in college, I just kind of got frustrated because they wouldn't let me run far enough. Like the farthest like cross country race is like 7K, I think for women. Um, and that was like, I was just getting warmed up at that point. <laughs> I kind of realized. Um, so I started doing trail 50K distance. Um, did a couple of those, um, but kind of had a lot of people telling me that it was like, I was too young to be running like super far to be doing like real ultras and stuff. They're like, mm, you should probably like hold off. We like kill some time, you know, maybe race some marathons, but I had no interest in marathons because they were on the road and I didn't like running on the road. Um, and I kept, you know, classic running story, classic like running to cycling story, had all these like nagging injuries that I like never gave enough time to heal. Um, I would just kind of like, you know, keep them at a manageable level and run through them, um, which is what most people do, I think, in that sport. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I reached, reached a point where it was just like, oh, my God, like, why am I, you know, grinding myself, like, into the ground right now for no reason and, you know, all this stuff. And I took a break, um, managed to not exercise for probably, like, a whole week um, before I was like, uh, what can I do? Um, I had always kind of got, had, like, had a bike around for cross-training for, like, whenever, like, my shin splints were too bad or whatever, um, had a group of people I would ride with just like for fun, but never like, you know, seriously, like 
I was like riding around in like running shorts and running shoes kind of thing, you know, <laughs> had like a Fuji hybrid bike, like for a while, you know, like just, just Craigslist bikes the whole way up. Um, but yeah, saved up, got a real bike. And then it was right around when I moved back to the Bay area. And I think as you guys know, like the culture for cycling there is, is pretty amazing. Um, not only like, you know, a lot of fast people and a lot of people like excited about it, but like a lot of like relatively young people, it seemed. Whereas like, you know, kind of in my head before cycling was this like old man sport, um, which it still is. Like It is. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no friends there, but, um, you know, it was, it was definitely like a younger, more, um, more exciting vibe to me, it seems. So yeah, I got, um, I got sucked into it pretty quickly and got talked into my well, got talked into this like super long ride that everybody does from San Francisco to Santa Barbara, like literally like two or three months into like actually, you know, training regularly on the bike. Did that, had an awesome time, like kind of learned to ride in a pack a little bit, like honestly pretty sketchy times to like learn that, but you know, I did okay. Um, <laughs> and got talked into racing like two months after that. Um won my first like cat four road race after like missing the start and like riding through the field and going off the front <laughs> you know and kind of you know from all that from Strava from you know back and forth with people like figured out like oh hey like you know I'm actually good at this um <laughs> on like running where it was like wow if I like you know put my nose to the grindstone I could like keep up it was like oh like and I don't know I don't know if I necessarily attribute to it to like a natural talent so much as just like a gross, like undersaturation of women's cycling, you know, or road racing or whatever. It was just like kind of, I, I very much had the feeling that like as a sport, it was like, well, if I even just work as hard as I was working and running, like if I just work that hard, like I'm going to be one of, you know, like the best people like, and I definitely kind of got that idea early on to where it was like really only a matter of how much I wanted to work and not so much a matter of like whether I was like you know genetically predisposed to it or anything um and that was a massive motivator was like a, well I already know how to work hard I already know how to train hard you know like it's like you know all in front of me if I decide to if I decide to go after it um but yeah um you know worked my way up through the road ranks um did all that um by so my this was all road up to this point yeah, I mean, but basically in a year, got up to Cat 2, um, Cat 5, yeah, well, it, I, I was lucky, and I started during the last year that women didn't have a Cat 5, so I, I kind of skipped a category, like, the year after I started, they're like, oh, we're starting women's Cat 5, which is still a really dumb idea, like, there's not enough women racing for that to be necessary, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I got up to Cat 2, so then I was in, like, P1-2 races, finally, like, racing the people who were, like, you know, kind of professionals. I don't know. I don't know how road racing works, technically, and calling yourself a professional, if you actually have to get paid or not. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah um, was having an okay time, was doing, you know, well sometimes and really poorly some other times, and, you know, could attribute most of it to... I don't know, being really stubborn about like tactics and stuff, just wanting to like go hard all the time and not sit in the field and not wait for other people to do things and not, you know, like I, I only had so much patience for that stuff. I kind of just wanted a lot of times just wanted to a ride farther than these, these races were letting me and be, um, I don't know, just putting kind of like harder, longer efforts. Um, and, you know, but, but still was fairly into it. I got onto the ABD foundation team for Redlands, um, my second year racing and I, I hated it. I was like, I, <laughs> I really, really hated it. I like, I had a very bad time and I did really poorly too. I'm pretty sure I was like time cut by like the crit or I got, I got pulled during the crit and then, you know, didn't ride the last stage. Um, and I was, I was pretty messed up over that because I, you know, I thought like the Amy D foundation had done me this like, you know, big honor by letting me on the team. And, you know, I had a coach, I had all these people like invested in me or whatever. And I was like, damn, like, I was like, I've failed. I was like, <laughs> I have failed on like, you know, the highest level from my perspective. And I was, I was pretty, pretty, I don't know. I was in a bad place after that race. Um, 
but I, I stayed in SoCal for like a week after just kind of like licking my wounds and wondering where my life was going. Cause like I was a barista at the time. I didn't exactly have this like, you know, <laughs> ladder in front of me in terms of like, you know, planning my future. Um, but somebody was like, Oh, the, the BWR is happening next weekend. You should, you should just stay down here and you should go to that. Um, and I was like, what's that? Um, they're like, well, it's kind of this crazy race where it's like kind of a road race. So it's kind of not a road race. And there's all this other shit they throw in there and you know, all this nonsense. And I was like, this sounds like exactly the type of like training I do. Like that was the kind of rides I was doing with my friends at home. Cause like, I don't know, I guess gravel was like an emerging thing at that point. Um, but there certainly weren't a ton of companies like making gravel bikes. Um, and we were all very into the like hashtag road bikes off road thing. Um, <laughs> you know, all, all in that, that scene. Um, so yeah, I literally like called some people reg the morning of that race and it still wasn't like, you know, as massive as, as, as it is now, but it was definitely like a bigger race. Um, and I showed up, yeah, on the same bike I raced Redlands on, which was like, I think 25 C tires. Um, I think I actually, I was pretty progressive at the time and I think I may have been tubeless, which probably saved me. Um, <laughs> but I had no idea what I, I was doing out there, but it was 130 miles, which is like, you know, easily twice as long as the longest women's road race and, you know, had all this dirt that I was like pretty comfortable on. And I ended up getting third, I think that year, just out of nowhere, had no idea what I was doing, was like alone most of the time. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it wasn't Larissa won, obviously Larissa won all of them for like the six year span. But um yeah, I got third and I was like standing on the podium there like a mere week after getting cut from Redlands and I was like, All right. I was like, might be time for for a shift. Um at the time thinking it was like, you know, still a very much what like would be a hobby kind of thing, because you know, gravel was not to this point where it was a career um, choice. Um, but yeah, I guess, gosh, just, you know, serendipity really. And that, you know, it blew up at the same time I went head first into it and kind of just put all my road racing hopes aside. I mean, for the most part, I did end up doing like some USA crits and stuff like in years following and enjoyed some of those, honestly. But, um, yeah. Um, after that year, I think hopped on to Colin Strickland's like kind of new gravel crit team or whatever. And, you know, ran around the Midwest doing all of those, um, mixing it up. And yeah, I mean, honestly, had I feel like I had some super solid results before DK 200, um, uh, that it wasn't just out of nowhere, but I don't know. The perception <laughs> seems to be otherwise. Sometimes I think I was on like a Velo news pod podcast, and it was with Fred and I was kind of insulted because he like starts this thing off by being like oh so like Amity and then he was like not gonna lie when you won DK I literally had to google who you were and I was like excuse me like I felt I felt like I'd been like putting in some results before then I like podiumed a few times at Gravel Worlds I you know won the whole Grasshopper series a few times which is like my local races um you know, just little things here and there, podium crusher in the Tushers. Um, but anyways, yeah, won a big 200 mile race and I guess the rest is history. I mean, it's um, definitely, it's, it's <laughs> definitely at a different scale, but to say you came out of nowhere is probably not fair. And to discount, <laughs> to discount the running background, I think is crazy too, because uh, if, yeah. you, if you're doing that from when you're a little kid and with yeah. two ultra running parents, like that's going to build an engine that is going to translate really well to those long events. Yeah. I think. I mean, it was, it was very much, yeah, you know, due to how I was raised, it's like, we didn't own a TV. We didn't, you know, have conventional forms of entertainment, you know, it was, all, awesome. it was all outside. So yeah, I think, I think Taylor Finney's parents are ultra runners too. Like there's a lot of us out there who kind of like, were like, well, I have this endurance tension, but you know, don't want to do what my parents did. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I guess that sums it up. <laughs> That's so, very cool. But you're still really new to the whole sport. I mean, I think you've been racing for what four years? I think five, if you count. Yeah, this was maybe going to be your six. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Your first 30 cans, of, it sounded like you had a few little problems. Yeah, yeah. I like to tell that story because um, I came in, like, honestly, at least as prepared as I came in last year. Um, but, yeah, luck and I guess my equipment as well were, were not on my side. Um, uh, I think I was I was definitely going to at least be on extended podium, like, where I was at. But um, my shifting failed or started to fail at, like, mile 50 and was, like, completely toast by mile 80. Um, literally like went to like, uh, some random like mechanic tent at like the first checkpoint and was like, what can you do about this? And they were like nothing. And so I like rode with my like broken shifting and like walked every uphill until the second checkpoint because like it was stuck in the highest gear, like the way it had failed, it was like the hardest gear. So I was like little ring front, like hardest gear back, like limping around the course. Um, and then some very handy person at the second checkpoint managed to like zip tie it into a very low gear. And I just basically had a, you know, a single speed for the rest of the race, but I had an excellent time. It was really just fun to be out there. Like it's until you've ridden Kansas, like it's impossible to communicate the, like, I don't know, just like the energy there. I, that sounds really cheesy, but it's like, you know, I'm sure it's similar to being like a world tour rider and riding like one of the big tours. It's just like this whole other feeling in the air um and everybody is like kind of locked into that um and so yeah I mean even even mid-pack it was like a very good experience and a very like I think I was very like pleasantly surprised by the terrain and like the people and you know all this stuff because I'd ridden gravel worlds which is like also in the midwest it's in Nebraska um and kind of hated it. <laughs> really? Like the course? It's just not fun? Oh, yeah. It's 150 miles of exactly the same thing. Which, like, mentally, I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like, I cannot, like, rationalize it in my head. Because I think, like, competition is really important to me. But it's not everything. It's like, like, racing people and winning is, like, it's, it's great. Um, but it's very hard for me to, like, use that solely as a motivator to like you know be out there doing it it's like I need something else it's like I need shit to look at like if it's that yeah. long or I need yeah. you know like people there with me who I'm like close with or like you know I don't know like there's there has to be other elements um and Kansas is gorgeous Kansas is surprisingly beautiful um yeah and that combined with everything I just had a great time um and I was like wow I love this race I'm coming back here <laughs> and did you but, did you leave that thinking if things went well and if my bike worked like I'd have a chance of winning this thing um I think I kind of historically like undervalue my <laughs> myself um and I think a lot of us do um even in road racing, like I really, really struggled with even, or, and then like, you know, my early days in gravel struggled with like a race starting and like mentally being like, okay, I belong at the front or like, I have, you know, a spot there. Like I deserve to be kind of like elbowing people in the top 20 for a position. You know, it was always right. very much kind of a mindset of like a, oh, well, like I'm not really there yet. I should let, you know, the, the better people do that <laughs> and I'll hang out in the back and maybe get, you know, an opportunity. Like if, if like all of them fail kind of thing. Um, and it's been, that's probably been one of like the biggest hurdles for me in, um, in just like working up to, to a, a point where I am like, you know, vying for, vying for the win, <laughs> um, is just kind of being able to mentally like sit myself down and be like, look, like, that's that's where you should be is like right there at the front like you know actually doing that because like you're good enough and it's like I think mentally there's especially yeah in endurance in like really humbling sports I think it's hard to be like okay you're good enough you know I think you know the reason a lot of us do what we do is from this place of being like you're not good enough <laughs> um you know totally yeah um, it's really funny there's these yeah. like groups of people all out doing it together and everyone thinks that everybody around them has some superpower that they don't that, possess and that they that, yeah. That, yeah. it's crazy how long that takes to just like wrap your head around like for the longest time I thought like Alice and Tetrick was just like superwoman and I was like it's gonna take me years to be on that level because you know she's been doing it for so long and I was like you know I can't touch that and then like you it's like there's this there's totally this moment when you just realize like holy shit like everybody is in pain right now like it's not just me you're like 
wow, everyone is dying. And as soon as that like happens, as soon as you're like, everyone is dying, then like you can kind of start that train of thought that's like, well, maybe I'm dying less than these people. <laughs> Even if it's and just that, a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that like, that's, that's easily like my favorite moment in any race is like the, oh, <laughs> oh, you're suffering. <laughs> what if I, what if I suffered a little more and then, you know, took care of you. So. <laughs> So let's fast forward a year. So Dirty Kansas 2019, what, what happens? What was it? Well, can you tell us, share us, share with us? It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, you did, did read something about you saying like the first 30 or 40 miles of these long races are for you maybe the hardest because you're mm -hmm. newer in the sport. You're kind of fighting for, um, for position and all that. But yeah. Love yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely, I don't know, it's definitely a story of persistence and patience, um, yeah. which definitely, I, I don't know, for me, it just comes back to those same, like, values that made ultra running appealing to me, in that, like, hey, you can mess up, like, this many times, and you have so many hours to go fix that, um, and that, that's just, like, a very, like, content space for me, where I'm, like, okay, I can, you know, like, I can deal with that, as opposed to, like, a crit, where it's, like, if you hesitate for a second at the wrong time, it's like, you're done. Um, I hate that. <laughs> I like being able to mess up. Um, but yeah, I, I had an okay start. Um, I got a call up, which I guess goes to show I wasn't totally unknown. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I was like one of the last call ups. So I was like, you know, 19th when it all rolled out and probably drifted to a good like 50th place by the time, you know, things started happening. But I was okay with it. Um, I was just trying to stay, you know, positive. That was like my main, like, I, you know, you wake up and you're like, okay, you know, how am I going to, you know, mentally approach this? And I was like, I just want to have a nice time. Um, <laughs> I was like, I just want to, you know, start and like, you know, be confident enough to like not lose too many stop spots, but kind of like be nice to myself if I do, you know, because I think as soon as you end up in that place of like, I don't know, like, <laughs> not positive thinking then 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 that's when you you know slide farther um so yeah there was a, there was this really funny moment like um early on probably like you know mile 20 if even that um when Olivia Dillon the woman who was going to be leading for most of the race ended up like right behind me because I don't think she, maybe she got a call up maybe she didn't I don't remember but she was like behind me on my wheel and she she yelled at me <laughs> which is funny because like we're kind of friends like I she lived in Marin at the time I lived in San Francisco like you know we'd see each other all the time but she's like older and like, you know very experienced um and she kind of like snapped at me she's like either move up or like, get out of my way kind of thing and I was like oh <laughs> and I was like I can't move up <laughs> um, <laughs> literally didn't know how I was like it's it's so I mean it's already a really strange dynamic being like this like small woman in this like, you know, mass of like very aggressive like dudes who are all, you know, very willing to kind of use their their size and strength to like get you out of the way if they need to. Um so it's already like, you know, kind of this hectic, hectic position to be in. And then she snapped at me and I was like, oh no, I'm like doing this wrong. Um but yeah, so definitely totally missed like the first kind of three groups that came off the front I think she was probably in like the second or third one and I was back there and yeah according to my like little crew that I had there helping me I think I rolled through first checkpoint which is like mile 50 um in like 13th or 14th woman um but yeah I mean kept my head down drank a lot of water um Heat doesn't really bother me too much, which I think was a big factor that day. Um, and gosh, just like kept my wits about me because literally I have not talked to anybody else at that race so far. I mean, get in touch with me if you're like, listening to this and you know, this is you, but like I was, I, as far as I know, I was like the only person who didn't flat at least once. Um, and a lot of those top women were kind of plagued by flats the whole time or, you know, other things, or just totally cracked. Um, Olivia was leading for almost all of it, but then I think with, like, 50 miles to go, got a bad flat, and then got off her bike, and 
I don't know what happened. She like cramped her feet hurt or like something, but like could not physically like get back on her bike and chase, you know, all these things that, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people kind of said it was, it was luck in a way or bad luck or, you know, whatever it has you, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I do a lot of very long rides on my own. Um, and then I'd done, you know, DK before. And I think a lot of the people who people, you know, thought were going to win hadn't actually raced before or were just really experienced roadies or, you know, all these things. And what's nice about gravel is there's enough like details, um, that, you know, experience really does, does help. Um, you know, and even, you know, being relatively, you know, young and unexperienced, like years wise, it's like, I had done a ton of long rides and I trained mostly on gravel and I'd done that race before and I'd done other races before. So when it comes to like, you know, looking at day of conditions and being like, okay, tire pressure. Okay. You know, you know, this thing. Okay. Like how much do I need to drink? Okay. You know what, you know, works for me in this situation. Okay. Like, you know, all this stuff. It's like, you know, I, I definitely had that very figured out. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'm just picked people off like slowly and steadily. Um, what's probably, Oh, fought, fought Allie for, um, we were like changing between second and third, probably for the last, like, uh, probably mile 130 ish to mile 180 ish. We're like switching spots. It's a long time. Um, we have, we are like polar opposite riders. I go fast at pills, um, and she has like insane power on flats. Um, and we were just constantly exchanging. Like when the train started like to peak up, it's like I would just kind of cruise by her and be like, hey, Allie. Um, and as soon as it flattened out, she'd just come, you know, roaring past me, usually in a group because she's smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I was kind of lucky course wise in that there was a series of very steep hills um with maybe 30 miles to go just like these really annoying like kind of one to two minute efforts but all stacked right next to each other and I finally finally found her by herself <laughs> when I like came up on her that time and she was alone and I was like this is my chance this is my like this is my shot um and I said something like you know kind of rude looking back where I was like hey Allie like how are you feeling <laughs> And I, you know, looking back, if somebody said that to me in a race and I just died, I'd be like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> uh, like I would have yeah. been so pissed. But she just kind of, like, made a noise. And I was like, she's probably not feeling that good. And I just, I put in, like, a pretty solid effort because, you know, I was like, it's now or never. Because I, I knew if I went to the line with Allie, she'd, she'd outspread me. Um, you didn't want to yeah, leave that chance. Of, no, I am it, like rem looking back, it kind of reminds me a lot. Like I, I watch a lot of road racing. Um, I don't know, just because like, you know, obviously growing up, I wasn't really into other sports. So I didn't really have anything to like be a fan of. So I watch a lot of road racing now because it's like pretty re readily available. And it's, it's really funny because, you know, they always talk about like, you know, if there's a break and there's like a sprinter and like a distance guy in the break, they're like the distance guy. He's like, you better attack now, <laughs> like, you know, or he's screwed. And I definitely like felt like that, like little person there. I was like, well, I better go. Um, and I put my head down and just like, oh man, um, put in, put in probably a larger effort than I ever have. Um, you know, as you do in those situations. Um, but felt great to be honest, like felt really good. Um, which, you know, kind of feels weird to say because, you know, all these people talk to me about it and they're like, oh, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, you know, like you really like you reach this like new, like, you know, place of like hurt and all this stuff. And I just I felt good. Um, I felt really good. Um, I guess, you know, I can attribute that to eating well, drinking well. There's a lot of a lot of the reports from after say I was like throwing up and stuff, which is kind of true. Um <laughs> I was puking a little bit, um, but I don't know, like looking back, it's a very, you know, positive memory. I guess as those things are, it's easy to like, you know, paint them nicely after you win. But um, yeah, was honestly convinced the entire time I was going to look back and see Allie like on my tail. Um, and I think, you know, 
can attribute the effort I put into kind of that constant fear um, of her catching me because it flattened out pretty soon after that. And I was like, God, I'm fucked. Um, <laughs> you're like, it's, so the whole time you're like, she's coming, she's coming. <laughs> like, Even last mile, I wasn't certain, you know, you never are. And you know so much less than everybody else. Like my mom and my little sister, like in California, like knew I was leading before I was leading. Um, before I knew I was leaving, you know, because like, even after I passed Allie, you know, for women, it's never obvious in a gravel race of that you're like, that you're in the front, like people will yell things at you. People will like whisper like, Oh, you're in third, you're in third. Like, you know, but like there's, they're randoms. So it's like, you don't trust those people. They could be like, wrong. Right. Yeah. To me so many times before, you know? And so you don't like put any hopes or like credit there. Um, and even after I passed Allie, I was like, well, there's probably some like super smart, super fast person that got in a group ahead of me. Like, <laughs> like, you know, chances are. And then even, yeah, we, we passed Olivia on the side, like fixing her flat. And I didn't even register there was Olivia. I thought it was like some random person in the hundred mile race or something. Until like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, like that was the kit she was wearing, huh? But like, I didn't know. I thought she was still ahead. And it wasn't until like, there was a time check, probably like 15 miles to go. And the lady literally at the time check was like, you're leading, you're leading. And I was like, well, maybe she knows what she's talking about. You know, <laughs> There's a chance, I, was like, right? I was like, you know, if anybody does, she probably knows. And then, but like, you know, you're still kind of, you know, mentally in that place of like, you know, I don't know. You can't, you can't really let yourself think that until it happens. So. Yeah, by unlike, time, unlike high-level road racing where you you have a team director in your ear telling oh, you exactly what's going on ahead and behind you and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, I was looking at, like, you know, like, the Twitter account after the race and stuff, and there's video of me, like, 15 miles to go. There's video of me coming through that checkpoint, and it's, like, Amity Rockwell, like, leading the women's race now. And I was, like, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it's interesting for sure. Um and I finished, and I'm pretty sure I um, the gap between me and um, second place was like 15 minutes. And then I was so mad because I was like, wait, you mean I didn't have to be like puking and like, you know, doing, going to all these lakes? Like I could have just written this in, you know? But, you know, that, that's not an option, which is, you know, I guess all part of it. But um, <laughs> such, right. such a weird weird like competition style when you when you're so in the dark but um I don't know I guess it's it's fun like the win I saw a video of you I think right at the finish and uh you seem kind of a little bit shocked but <laughs> yeah, was, uh, neat really? yeah but yeah great time what did it feel like what did it feel were you um yeah what were the emotions like <laughs> I don't think I really realized the like impact of it. Um, even like a week later, I was like at home with my partner and he was, and I was really stressed out. I think I somehow like kind of felt all the like stress and like magnitude of it without mentally being like, oh, this is gonna, you know, change things or like, this is like, really important. But I like, I was so stressed out that week after because, you know, everybody keeps calling you. There's like, you know, all these publications call you. You get all this like brand new attention. And it's like there's suddenly like especially for me coming from a place of like, well, nobody really talked about me before. Um, it's like, oh, well, there's, you know, all the immediate stress of like, well, what if I like say something wrong or mess this up somehow or like make some decision that like, you know, messes all this up for me. Um and then there's, yeah, that just, like, I don't know how to talk to, a, like, a reporter from, like, Kansas City Times or whatever. It's, like, I, nobody ever told me how to do this. Like, and, and, yeah, it was all incredibly overwhelming. But I don't think I really realized that it would, like, truly change, you know, career stuff for me. Um, yeah, I was, like, I was crying over something, like, a week later. And, like, you know, my partner had to sit me down and be, like, you know, like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> this is this is gonna change your life like this is gonna change everything for you and I was kind of like I, I laughed at him I was like I was like it's a gravel race <laughs> I was like how you know how much could it change my life um but yeah um you know so yeah no it truly it truly does not sink in um and even at the time like you know 
I win and I'm sitting there and like people want to talk to me and are like taking my picture and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> this is weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And it'll be there um, forever. That's, which is so yeah. cool. Like, you know, it's, that's, it's quite a legacy, right? I, I guess so. I mean, I, I, I hate the word legacy as like being as new as I am to the sport, you know, You've got um, a long way to go. I definitely still have weeks where I'm like, okay, I'm done. I quit. <laughs> no more bikes, please. I'm going to go run. Um, <laughs> but I, I go running and then, you know, the next day I ride bikes and I'm like, everything's fine. Um, uh, yeah, you know. Were you, were you really disappointed <laughs> to not be able to defend it this year? Or was there some relief to be able to, to wait a year? Or was it a combination of the two? Um, I was ready to defend it. Definitely. I, I put in a lot of long miles this winter, um, you know, which is something I do anyways, you know, racing or not. I just, you know, I like those days. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I was really excited to just see what it felt like um, going there as like somebody people knew. Um, even just going to any race, any major gravel race this year as like somebody people like wanted to talk to because like, I think at Kansas last year, I did like one interview with like the guy from uh, Zach from CX Mag, who I'm like pretty good friends with. Um, but I think I almost feel like he did it like for me out of like a favor. <laughs> it's just like a oh you're cool. Like let me give you like some some attention. <laughs> um, and he interviewed me and he's like, what are your goals? And I was like, I'd really like a top five. Um, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Um, and so I was just excited to go back. Like they put your face on like a banner and like, you know, all these yeah. things. Like I to, like sit on a few panels and I was like, wow, this is going to feel like a real job. Um. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. And you're right. It won't just be there. I mean, any, any big gravel race that you show yeah. up, people are going to, they're going to yeah. be watching you. Right. So, yeah, I, I was, I was definitely very, very ready to, you know, jump into all that. Um, uh, so no, I, I would not say it was like a relief that I had more time to prepare. I was kind of just, was just ready. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't know. I think what's been kind of keeping me optimistic and keeping me like looking up is that like nobody is moving ahead right now. Like, I think, you know, when you do compete, there's, you know, this constant fear that somebody else is like doing more than you or like trying harder or like racing more or like, you know, all these things. Um, but right now it's truly just this like great equalizer of like, okay, nobody's doing anything. Nobody's getting any results. Nobody's like moving ahead. Nobody's, you know, whatever. And I think for me, there's this kind of added bonus of, you know, being pretty young, like relatively speaking to where like, I think last year, just looking at podiums, like, there was only like one occurrence where somebody younger than me beat me. Um, and I think that like psychologically is a nice place to be like where, you know, if you get beat by a bunch of like women, like in their thirties <laughs> to forties, you're like, I can just wait till they retire. <laughs> <laughs> well also, yeah, I mean, but that's a good point. And especially in these longer events, like we see people well into their forties competing at a super high level. So you've got, a, you, you could be getting better. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is such a gift to be able to be like, okay, not only can I do this for the next probably like 15 years, but like, yeah, it's like, you know, time, time is very much on my, on my side. I don't feel like, you know, there's this like little window that I have to like peek in or like, you know, it's all going to fail. It's very much like a slow and slow and steady build. Um, one of my best friends in the sport is, um, Katarina Nash, you know, and to have her kind of as that, like, you know, pinnacle of, you know, like she, she, she does, you know, everything I want to do probably, you know, obviously minus the cyclocross career, I have zero plans for that, but, um, you know, she just shows up to gravel races, shows up to mountain bike races, like shows up to road races and just like, just wins. Just like, you know, and you talk to her and her attitude about the thing is just like brilliant. You know, it's like, she just loves what she does. Um, and she has, you know, she, I think she's just achieved so much at this point that, you know, there is no ego to be had in it because it's like, what, what more is she going to prove? You know, it's like, she's already one of like the best, you know, writers of all time probably. And so it's like, that is like, I feel like is like the ultimate place to end up at. Um, but yeah, she's like, 
<laughs> quite a bit older than me. So I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'll be there eventually if I just, you know, keep the momentum. <laughs> but yeah, lucky you for having such a great mentor. Yeah. Honestly, she's she's wonderful. Yeah. I knew her a little bit from Bay Area stuff because she um she has a place in Emeryville. Um, but then got to know her a little better when I, I lived in Truckee all last year and she has a house up there as well. So yeah, she's awesome. awesome. She actually, funny story. I was in, I was still living in Truckee this winter and obviously like it snows a lot there and you can't like ride bikes as much. Um, and she heard that I had like expressed some like mild interest in like figuring out how to ski. Um, and she's been to the Olympics for, for Nordic skiing for the Czech Republic. Um, and she literally gave me her old Nordic skis. We somehow have the same size foot. She gave me her old ski boots, <laughs> like shit that I, I like couldn't have afforded on my own, to be honest, like was not going to sink a bunch of money into Nordic skiing, like as somebody who has like never done a snow sport in their life. Um, but yeah, it was just like, oh, these are sitting in my garage. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, what do you want for them? All this, you know, da da da. And she was like, I like Zinfandel. <laughs> and I, was, I was like, you got it, Kat. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I had that to like work on all winter. Really enjoyed that, you know, um, obviously like fell on my face, you know, five times every time I went out, but um, I had a good time doing that. A really good aerobic activity. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, she's wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, would you tell people that are getting new into the gravel scene to motivate, help motivate them? And you know, I have a lot of friends who who someday would like to do a race like Dirty Kansas, but you know, they think mm -hmm. it's they think it's just too much and too too much of a, a of a um, too far off in the distance. Yeah, I think. For me, what kind of brings me the like most happiness, like from the sport and from you know the community and all this, you know, all that everything it entails, um, it has never ever ever been about racing for me. Um, it's really just been about you know getting around on a bike and you know going places that like you know you previously couldn't have gone and going farther and like you know over new terrain and exploring you know relatively what feels like unexplored places I mean if you're on if you're on a road you're kind of always in this position of like oh well I could have driven here um <laughs> I think gravel bikes kind of push it that much farther to where like you can go on these you know 150 200 mile rides and end up in some like truly like remote like very cool places and I think like at its core that's still what appeals to me it's not like a oh, well, maybe I could, like, race this race someday or, like, you know, do this thing. Um, and I think for me that has been kind of what makes it not easy, but, like, <laughs> it's, like, pe people, like, like talk to me about, like, the long rides I do and, like, the training and all this as if it's, like, something that's really hard. But it's, like, I think if it comes from a place of just, like, wanting to, like, get out there, um, it's not really that hard <laughs> anymore. It's like, you know, you're, you're pulled by all these other things that aren't, you know, just, you know, competition or like sizing yourself up to people. I think, I don't know. And I, I, I think that's kind of like always been that way for me, like in endurance sports, just having, you know, those bigger, you know, kind of encompassing motivators as opposed to like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, I think, dangerous to, put it all like in one race or in competition at all because um as much as gravel can like as much as the whole like oh you can mess up this many times and like still fix it this many times as much as that's a motivator it can also just like ruin a lot of days <laughs> like I, I like for every good race I've had I've had you know like probably five races that are horrible um in terms of like yeah I mean yeah I think you know probably true for anybody but um yeah, and if you if you let racing be like your ultimate, if you let racing be like the goal or like the what you're working towards, it's like then when that happens, it's like how do you deal with that, you know? Um and I I never want to be in that position. I want to be in that place of like uh well, you know, I race so that, you know, I can do all this stuff like in my day-to-day -day life, not like I do all this stuff in my day-to-day -day life so that I can like come to this race and like hopefully succeed like this one time a year. Um so yeah, I guess. 
<laughs> That's nice. So uh, can you tell us real quick about your sponsors? We'd love to hear about who's supporting you. I would love to promote some sponsors in this completely dead year. Um, <laughs> you clearly have done this yourself. Um, <laughs> thank you, Tyler. Um, I am riding Canyon Bikes, um, awesome. which is which is which is really really cool. I I seriously I I hadn't even reached out because in my head last year like Canyon is like who sponsors you know Vanderpool. Canyon is who sponsors like Pauline Ferron Perot. Like you know it was like these names where I was like, well that's this whole other level, you know. Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was not going to be like, oh, I just won DK 200. I'm, I'm going to go hit up Canyon. You know, that was not, you know, meant like where I was. Um, but they reached out and they reached out early. They reached out in like September, I think, and just came out hard. Like, we want to support you. We love what you're doing. We like who you are. Um, so you and ride I was the grail. Like, I do ride the grail. I ride the grail and I own their cross-country bike as well. And then I own their like endurance road bike. Um, but yeah, you know, had a few other people I, that were kind of on my radar too, but gosh, Canyon just came out and was like, whatever you want to do, like we're there. Um, which was huge to me, especially like wanting to get into mountain biking, like when, like not being somebody who's necessarily like always competition focused, you know, all these things. And they were just like, so very much like behind me. Um, and that's what ultimately like made the decision for me because other companies I would talk to sometimes and I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to race mountain bikes and all this stuff. And they're like, well, you're a gravel racer. Like we're here to support you in gravel. Um, you know, we can talk about all that other stuff later. And Ken and I was like, I want to race mountain bikes. And they're like, heck yeah, mountain bikes. Um, <laughs> what mountain bike, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. So it was, it was like kind of this like no holds barred, um, thing. Um, they're also, they're, um, U.S um headquarters is just down in san diego too and they sponsor so many of the races that i really liked um they sponsor sbt gravel they sponsor bwr you know we're very, we're very much of like a presence at these things and so it's really important for me to also be with somebody who is gonna like physically be there and not just you know give me some bikes um so yeah that was just kind of like a dream that 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 all happened um yeah having a great time on their bikes i mean would love the opportunity to kind of you know push one like you like you get to in in races but um you know because honestly I've just been kind of like you know tootling around all for the last like six months like I, I go hard sometimes sure if I like you know have something to get out of my system but most of the time it's just kind of like well you know zone three um <laughs> that's good enough um but yeah um really enjoying that um just did a like a small video with them and then um Definitely have, you know, I think my career as a whole at this point, I have um, Easton to thank. Um, Easton supported me from like the beginning of the 2019 season. Um, so back when I was a nobody, <laughs> um, according to Velo News. No, um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, beginning of that year, they reached out. <laughs> I, I like them. I'm friends with all of them. I can talk shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, beginning of that year, they reached out and they were like, well, we're like starting this like, you know, new gravel team, all this stuff. And I was honestly planning to either do my own thing or like just to hang out with Colin for another year. Um but they seem to have everything dialed. They're like, yeah, we have like kits, like all this stuff, you know, they were on allied bikes and I'd been a fan of allied for a minute. And yeah. Um, kind of just offered me more support than I really like than definitely I deserved <laughs> at that point. Um, and I did a few races with them prior to DK that turned out fairly well, but also like completely flunked a bunch of races too but they're always just so nice I mean they're Canadian I guess they have to be nice but um uh <laughs> they were just so nice the whole time they were like I don't know I became really good friends with their marketing guy um they were just buds and then arguably would not have done half as well at Kansas if they had not just had things freaking dialed for me every stop every like situation like just took care of so much um and just going in like not doing everything myself which is kind of what I'm used to took so much off my plate and really just let me race 
Um, and so I obviously like, as soon as that victory happened, they were like, um, how about two more years? And I was like, I pretty much was just like, okay, <laughs> you know, like awesome. it wasn't even like a negotiation there. Cause I was like, you know, you guys are my friends. You guys, you know, have always kind of, you know, been backing me like success or no. Um, so that was, that was a super, super obvious choice. Um, yeah. And honestly the wheel, I mean, sorry, the, the year before at, at Kansas, I cracked a rim on a different company's <laughs> wheel test. Um, and Easton, I have never like to this day, and this says a lot for like the shit I put my bicycles through. I have never had an, an issue with any component any wheel any like literally nothing has failed me which is crazy because even like dk i was on prototype rims i think like those wheels weren't out yet um uh yeah so much it's just like super solid like it's not like they're not their marketing even isn't really like this is like the lightest like you know fastest most arrow like whatever it's just kind of like hey here's something that works and i'm like that is exactly what i need um <laughs> i i uh, i think it's really interesting to see gravel get caught up in kind of the like road race dialogue of like, okay, like what's the most arrow, like what's, you know, the lightest, like all this stuff. And I'm like, really, you just need something that works. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, shit that doesn't break number one, right? Everybody's priority, um, hands down and people still get into, you know, roadie behavior, but you know, <laughs> jokes on them, I guess. <laughs> well, the bike tech, it, the way that it's getting the development's getting put into gravel bikes, it's it's very much like mountain bikes, like ten or fifteen years ago. Like we're gonna see the craziest bikes come out in the next four oh, or five years. My friends love to have this conversation with me, <laughs> where they're like, "It's just '90s mountain biking." <laughs> yeah, it kind of is the way that the tech is exploding. It's it's super cool. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, so speaking of Canada, you got to tell your friends at Canyon that they got to figure out a way to ship bikes here because I'm Canadian and I love their bikes and I, I can't buy don't. one. That is crazy. They don't because right now have like all of Europe at this point and then the US. I honestly just assumed, but no, no, they can't yet. Not yet. So hopefully they crack that code. Well, and, you need to do some like black market shit and like I'll, I'll get one to you. <laughs> That's what we'll do. If I want one, I'll have to ship it to Tyler and drive down to get it from him. Yeah. And then tell a story at the border crossing when the border's open one day. Oh gosh. Yeah. If you're ever allowed back here. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm like, I'm there, so. so Amity, where can people follow along on social media and stuff and your, your, uh, your FKT attempts and all this kind of stuff? Um, it's just Instagram at this point. I, um, I've spent the last few months kind of thinking about starting a website, but I have not uh, put the bullet on that yet um uh it's just instagram um my instagram is amityville um <laughs> great name username from it's before. awesome it's I awesome was, you know a thing just for, for the record <laughs> um but it's just it's it's a-m-i-t-y-v-i-l um that like amityville like spelled out properly was taken so you know did what i could in like you know 2015 or whatever that was um i yeah i don't have facebook um i i think i quit facebook like in high school because i was like i can't spend my life on the internet um but <laughs> and then instagram happened and i do anyways but you know it made me feel good <laughs> um yeah, that's it. Just Instagram, um, both my channel and then, you know, Easton and Canyon pushed me a little bit too. Um, yeah. Well, then we'll make sure to tag those guys too when we launch this episode. Definitely, definitely. And then since um, August of last year, I've also, I'm sorry for not mentioning them earlier, um, I've been with Monster Energy. Awesome. Okay. Which is crazy. Like gravel racing like monster energy like i don't know that still just makes me so happy i'm like oh this is nuts um <laughs> but yeah they've they've been great too um they're actually just down um, near um san diego as well um yeah have the whole like helmet with a m on it kind of thing going <laughs> um but yeah no, they, they're they're good people over there and they've been you know with me too so 
Um, awesome. I just, I actually just got back from, uh, yeah, you guys wanted to talk last week and I was like, oh gosh, I'm busy for the first time ever. Um, I was in, <laughs> um, I was running around to a few places with them. I actually just drove back from Utah on Saturday. So, cool. Yeah. Have a well, few thank you so much for spending some time with us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I wish, gosh, I like, I want to interview you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I watched I watched the the Lance thing. <laughs> Definitely saw your face plenty and was like, oh gosh, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> Tyler's anyways, an open book. He is. I'm yeah. I'm a fan, so whenever you want to, you know, flip this, I'm never starting my own podcast, but maybe I'll just call you sometime. <laughs> get, uh, get a friend like Pete to help you out. That's what that's why we started, really. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure I can say this, but um, I am actually, Pete and I are attempting White Room on the same day. We are going after that together. We're going to break, we're going to break both records. So. Uh, Pete Stetna? Yes. Awesome. Wicked. He's You're going to do it the same day. We're, we're both water athletes and we're both canyon athletes. So we're like, beautiful. Let's, Let's do it. What, do, do you know what day you're doing that? No, so that's, that's, oh my gosh, I, I'm sorry, this is like going on so long, um, oh, <laughs> but that's, I, what's so cool about this FKT thing for me is it's so much strategizing about like hitting the like perfect window of um, like wind and temperature and like dirt conditions and like, you know, all these things. Um, so we're waiting for some moisture to come through there and for the temperatures to drop a little bit um, before we're like this day but um yeah keeping an eye on it so who knows well, we will we will be keeping an eye on it too because we want to we want to see you do it i'm excited it's awesome hopefully can do it under eight hours <laughs> way under stop and make coffee in the middle i don't know <laughs> all right hey, thank well. you again amity it's our pleasure yeah. to have you on we really enjoyed it okay, yeah really Talk <laughs> to you. you. Awesome talking to you. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Bye. Right. Take care. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Once again, as we always say, if you are able to support the podcast with helping us spread the word. Word of mouth is one of the best ways for podcasts to grow. So if you have somebody in your life that you think would enjoy the content that we produce on the show, please let them know about it. If you're able to help us spread the word digitally via social media, that's obviously a very powerful tool. So if you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we really appreciate that. And we try and get some additional content out that way. Uh, just even some fun stuff and pictures those types of things and that's where we announce new episodes when they're available if you're also able to give us a positive review or a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you find the show on we really really appreciate that too thank you again to amity rockwell for spending time with us thank you again to algae foods and to ridge supply for supporting the pod really appreciate it we will be back with another episode very soon